0: A new roadblock, it's fake democracy. We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. Critics a secret boss they can't expose them all. We're going up the wrong way, we're
1: going to have to stop. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Cakewatch podcast with me, Chris Kendall. I am an EU official, Steve, but here in a strictly personal capacity. And with me, Steve Bullock. I am also here in a strictly personal capacity and I am an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU. And TV personality, as seen <laughs> on Newsnight. But something's happened, something's changed. Um, I... I uh... <laughs> Well, I haven't been invited on Newsnight for a long time. Yeah, well, there's that. And there's also the fact that you've lost your hair. Maybe it's to do with that. Maybe, maybe like Samson, losing your hair means you've lost your powers.
0: Oh, maybe that's it. I mean, we, uh, Chris and I were just talking before we hit record that um, I'm not the, the normal little optimistic bunny that I am today. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's the hair. Maybe it's the, lo- the loss of hair. It's, and, all, um, it's in the Bible. It's biblical. Also, you know, speaking as an ex-hippie, it is the receptor for the cosmic rays as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what have we what have we got this week? Have we got, have we, uh, have we got any follow up this, this week? Chris?
1: Well, kind of no, not really. So, um, instead of the usual follow up, I thought what we'd do is um just say thank you to um anybody who's written to us with feedback or left it on the uh, on the iTunes review site. Or tweeted us about it, um, just because it's really good to get feedback. Because um, it's a podcast; it's not Twitter. On Twitter, you can tweet something, and you'll instantly know <laughs> whether <laughs> nobody likes it, or whether people really hate it, or whatever. Because it's an instant feedback kind of medium. But Although, podcast, uh, it's it's very eerie on Twitter when it when that doesn't happen. Well, then you know there's something. When you tweet, yeah,
0: <laughs> you, when you tweet something that you tweet something that you you know you spent spent a bit of time thinking about. You think it's quite profound or you've put a lot of work into, like a thread. And then, you know, you check back 20 minutes later and there's like two retweets and one of them was you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. No, I know. Well, but, I know that feeling very well. And what, what usually, violence. yeah, what that usually means is that um, you haven't retweeted my thread yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, when's he going to retweet it? And then finally I start seeing the reactions. But no, well, uh, gonna... sorry, go on. No, no, go on for the comments, yeah. No, I was going to say, seriously, um, you know, we've had some really good feedback from some of our listeners, and and we really appreciate that. So don't be shy. (laughs) Let us know what you think.
0: So I had one bit of feedback. We don't have a sponsor. It's not really feedback, but kind of follow-up. We don't have a sponsor this week. Um, As you know, as you'll all know by now, if you listen to previous episodes, we we like to have sponsors, and uh, anybody who uh, wishes to sponsor an episode for free, any pro, uh, anti-Brexit or pro-EU group, we're very happy to, and uh, to, for you to be a, a free, free sponsor of an episode of Cakewatch. But since we don't have one, I just want to do a big plug for the uh, SODEM protest outside the House of Parliament that Steve Bray runs, mm. which you'll have seen on pretty much every Guardian article mm. has a photograph of that at the, at the top of it. And I happened to be in London uh, yesterday and dropped by it. And I would really recommend absolutely anybody who is in London for any reason takes an hour out and, uh, and goes and does it. Because it I have to say it was a thoroughly, thoroughly uplifting and pleasant experience. It was really, really lovely. It's very, very calm and there's a lovely community which is constantly changing as people pop in for a little bit. And Steve's got bags and bags of flags you can use. And whenever anybody we should know about walks past... He shouts to the group who they are. Um, And you get lots of waves from people. Andrew Adonis dropped by to say hello. Uh, A rather famous actress who I didn't (laughs) recognise. Well, I recognise that she was a famous actress, but I'm not very good with names. Dropped by to say how pleased she was. And you get a few cars going by and sticking two fingers up at you and cries of wankers, but you get an awful lot of hoots and an awful lot of waves and an awful lot of smiles and a lot of tourists coming by, a lot of EU27. Uh, tourists visiting London coming by, and um, yeah, I really—I'm not—I'm—I I'm, don't have a history of going to protests. I didn't go to, uh, you know, stop the war protests or CND protests and and, and stuff like that. I've never, uh, well, I'm not not really a kind of action person. I'm more, a, you know, sit at home thinking about stuff kind of person. <laughs> but um, and I was generally sort of busy playing guitar in bands and stuff. Uh, so this was really no, this was a really, really, really nice thing to do, and people should people should do it. And it gave a real sense of solidarity and, and and community. And we got a lot of people saying thanks for doing it, and some people just and some people just stopping seeing it for the first time, and just stopping for ten minutes to pick up a flag and you know, chat to people. So I would very very much recommend it. And I want to say a big thank you for Steve Bray who organises this every single day Parliament is sitting, mm. he's there from I. Th- well you can check their website they've got a website now um i think from uh 10 or 11 in the morning until five or six in the evening amazing so Good for very very highly recommended
1: to- i i think um I, I think that we speaking with my little uk hat on as a british person we don't do demonstration that we don't do that kind of thing very well um yeah. and Agree, generally honestly. it's not you know it, it, it's slightly looked down upon or seen as a bit of a waste of time and a bit of and you know what it's um well shouting it, in the street doesn't come easily to it doesn't English, but you know it I, certainly i i have participated in in a few marches and and demos and they they are they are a fantastic way of building morale and building a sense of purpose and community even if they don't always have a huge impact on the politics today but we you know we they can do, um, yeah. But I mean, I'm also I'm the poll tax generation, so I, you know, and that mm. did make a difference. And, yeah, that really did. Um, that really did. And make a it difference. wasn't it wasn't because of the um, the lunatic fringe, the, the the hooligans. I mean, they made a lot of the headlines, but it was really more just the fact that so many people who wouldn't normally go to these sort of demonstrations turned out in force. Exactly. These and I think can, it's when. Yeah, go on. I think it's I think it's when people when people who don't
0: normally turn up to demonstrations turn up. Mm that actually people start, start start taking notice of it yeah. as well,
1: you know, when normal punters do. Well, you know, I think I'm particularly interested in it in terms of participation and civic engagement, which is mm. an issue that I think we might come back to um, later yeah. because we were going to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> I think that um, there is... It, if I'm going to diagnose the problem with UK politics, part of it is simply that... Um, we are all a bunch of consumers um, and seen as consumers and sold a product rather than as you know, active, engaged citizens. And there, there are many reasons for that. Man, many of them link back to what we were discussing during our Easter special on federalism and, and democracy. But um, wasn't was Schumpet, it was,
0: Schumpeter who said that? Um, Q tweets that it wasn't Schumpeter um, that said that, that um, democracy was eventually a market. You know, it was a market for with voters of with voters of consumers and with uh uh political parties or, or political leaders of uh of the of pro- the product, you know? Um I, I I don't
1: know is the answer to that. But I, I can well imagine that um people um that, that, that makes sense that, that it would be packaged in that way. Uh, it's certainly a way of seeing it. But I think it's a it's a dangerous way of seeing it because um in my experience when i look around the world at political cultures which seem to me to be healthier it's because people are engaged all yeah, the way through hopefully. they get involved in local politics they get involved involved in school boards they get involved in you know all the way through they go out and they campaign to keep their library open they go on jury service they understand why they pay taxes it's all yeah. you know it's not they're not just sat there as consumers uh, waiting to be sold the best vision and that's, that's where you get lies from, and that's where you get people being sold. You Very know. much so. Yeah, you need to get engaged and involved. And, and if, you, if, if that means you get up off your ass and you go up to town and you write a little placard and you march up and down for a bit, and you know, so be it. I think that's a great way of getting involved. Certainly a and way yeah, to, and to put your toe in the water, isn't
0: it? But you really see it here as well. I mean, you, go, you see a, a protest in, uh, in Brussels, at Schumann <laughs> or in Plaf Luxembourg. And uh, they're not messing around. I mean, the first thing they do is they put up a tent with a bar in it. Yeah, I that's the very first thing that the very first the thing you do. You can tell a protest's coming because a marquee goes up with a yeah. with a with a bar in it. Because you can't because you can't have a proper protest without being able that to stop bar. and have a beer and and, and, and,
1: and chat. You know, a barbecue. If it's so, if it's yeah, if it's a Belgian, um, if it's a Belgian uh, trade union um, demo, there will be fireworks and there will be a bar. If, it's, um, <laughs> if there, there are certain communities, uh, you, especially around where I work, you get a lot of um, demos from certain national uh, or regional communities. And if they're from a culture where um, alcohol isn't um, necessarily consumed in the same way as it is in Belgium, you might get a little barbecue um, or grill yeah. set up and you get a little shashlik uh, tent going. And oh, it's and amazing. music. <laughs> Brilliant, music, All the music, music. Yeah, it You get loads of
0: music. Yeah, loads of music. Everyone yeah. brings a sound system.
1: Yeah. And not that. just
0: for the speeches. They bring it to put, to put music through. And they dance around.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: And, uh, and they march around and they jump around, you know? And they look like oh, they mean it. Oh, They don't look like they're embarrassed to be there, which is how I always feel when I do go to march
1: now. It's like, oh, God, awfully sorry. Do you mind, you know? Well, you know, I, I, I did go on. I did go. I'm not, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a sort of, full-on smash-the-fash kind of activist <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I've been on the old sort of march where… Selling socialist workers <laughs> and stuff. You know, I mean, it, part of the fun is when you do get into uh, slightly sort of… Um, when you start doing the chants and, 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 and you build a little bit of momentum. It gets a little bit leery. I mean, that's, that's exciting. There's a certain energy to, the, to that kind of crowd. And I'm, I went, deeply, I'm deeply uncomfortable with it. I'm, well, I was glad, I'm say, very glad people, other people aren't, but I'm deeply uncomfortable. Well, with I was going to say that I went on, when I went on the big um, EU Remain March last, mm-hmm. when was it? it was, in, was it in May last mm-hmm. Last year? It was about a year ago, wasn't it? When I went on mm-hmm. that, and it was probably the biggest demo I've ever been on. It was absolutely massive. And there were some great creative placards and stuff. But it was so quiet. It was so obviously full of people who'd never people been on anything like this at all. People were just really, and I was like, when are we going to get the, you know, when are we going to get the chance going? And we were walking down down, um, down um, Whitehall, uh, past Downing Street, and I thought, well, oh, come on, come on, this is, it's time. We need to start, you know, so yeah. I mean, you know, this is very awkward, but I'm afraid I'm just simply going to have to start the chant myself if nobody else is going to start <laughs> <laughs> and nobody awkward. took it up. It was like really embarrassing. It was just me and my teenage daughters. We're like, no, 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 2462. Uh,
0: uh, anyway. Oh, that's what really nobody took it up. That's no. Oh, that is awful. I
1: know.
0: And also, you know, I mean, I remember, um, do you remember the farmers with the wellies? So the farmers just threw Wellingtons at the council building and the, the, the place was, but they didn't throw a couple of Wellingtons at the council building. There were thousands of them. There was an enormous pile. Oh. A huge, huge, huge pile of them. Demos on, like and then no. you know others will you know set light to tyres. Oh stuff yeah, like and that. And you now, get I'm the a, menu. I'm uh, not. I'm not saying that you should. Be, I'm not saying that people should be doing this, but no, it definitely had to, yeah. it definitely demonstrates a slightly different level of
1: engagement in the issue. Well, I remember before. the. I remember, do you remember the massive Catalan demonstration that happened in Brussels? Yeah. A, yeah. a few a few a few months back. Well, yeah. well that was pretty different. I mean, that, that was that was not like the. Um, UK middle class is rising up against uh, no, Brexit. certainly wasn't, That was no. a little bit more <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. energetic. And yeah. Yeah. Good times. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, so we're, 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 we're certainly w-
1: different. <laughs> I was going to... Parenthetical anecdote. Best demonstration mm. I ever remember was when I was working in the Department of Trade and Industry in Victoria Street, um, Fresh Ant University. And the ice cream vans of Britain came on a massive demonstration and parked all the way down Victoria Street (laughs) in Westminster, yeah, in Parliament Square and on Westminster Bridge and all set their little music, ice cream cream music things going at the same time. Oh, God, it was a racket. Well, it wasn't (laughs) just a racket, it was unbelievably spooky it the music was literally it was like the stuff of horror nightmares it was it was it is,
0: it's like a parade of fad clowns
1: yeah <laughs> it was it was deeply uncanny because it was all clashing and it was very very effective so yeah
0: that's what we should okay. all hire ice cream vans and go and protest that's a great that's a great idea and sell ice creams in the bargain so that's, yeah Sorry. but anyway forget yourself like you know don't be like me. Get yourself down and do it, and and don't be, uh, you know, don't be sh- don't be shy about it. Shy Ben's getting out, as we say where mm. where I'm from. My mum used to tell me, That's why I'm so fat, <laughs> <laughs> because you're not shy." <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> this is the, I, I have a theory that that my my generation stayed, a lot of people who shouldn't have stayed out of politics in my generation did because they didn't think it was really necessary because it was, you know, we might disagree with individual policies, might think individual policies are the wrong thing to do about something. But on the whole, it would be fine. Yeah. Whatever happened. And that kind of complacency, you know, we talked about the constitution last week and about how a constitution is for bad times, not just for good. And that's when it's really tested. And I I think, yeah, I think it's the same with with politics. Well, the fact that everything's going swimmingly, doesn't no. mean you you shouldn't engage because I think it's a lack of engagement from from large swathes of people who would have who could have made it. I'm not saying me and my friends would have made a difference, but. Well, I mean, lots of the people I'm talking about are making a difference in the respective industries and careers that they've built up. We are now so, in
1: the very definition you know. of a cacistocracy, and, yeah. and that is because we left it to the worst of us to. Uh, I mean, okay, look, I don't want to be one of these people that's constantly down on politicians because there are many very talented politicians. and yeah, Very, very much. You know, absolutely. And you work for one of them, and, and uh, we all know. Plenty. And I'm in contact with many. I'm yeah. in contact with many, yeah. And so it's not fair to tar the entire lot with, 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 with the same brush. Um, but unfortunately, the people. People in charge really are the worst of the bunch. It seems yeah. to me, but no, I mean I, I see it as um, it goes back to what we were talking about before, which is engagement and civic responsibility. I actually do think that there is a, we, we we have a responsibility to engage in politics because if we don't, you know, the people who are going to engage are people you don't want in them. I mean, I remember very strongly being at university. <laughs> Uh, and last time I talked about this, Steve, I noticed that you edited it out of the final podcast. So this, <laughs> okay, time, this time you're not allowed to. I remember, <laughs> I mean, when I was at university, I was at university with a generation of people who are now in power. And I remember very clearly at the time. Um, and you went to a university where generations got into power as yeah, well, well, which I, which I, did. and I didn't know um, I remember very clearly at the time... Um, thinking you know looking at these people who were engaged in student politics and student party politics and thinking my god i hope these people don't end up running the country and of course they they did and they are anybody Um, would recognize uh definitely well there was one there was one (laughs) young man in particular the year below me who 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 um I, i remember at the time um he he was a bit of a figure of fun around university because he was very recognisable with his little silver-tipped cane and his top hat that he used to wear. Uh, And he was, you know, the rest of us were all wearing hoodies and buried in our library books. And and this fellow would sort of walk around and and he looked like Lord Snooty and acted like Lord Snooty. And it was a figure of fun and he would appear in university gossip columns as, as that figure of fun. And lo and behold, now he's a regular on our Lie of the Week segment (laughs) so and he will be today
0: (laughs) yeah he'll be making his i think fourth or fifth appearance on it today so yeah
1: fourth and fifth
0: (laughs) yeah oh we've got two from him today we've got at least two yeah yeah. absolutely we're gonna give him a loyalty card i think
1: (laughs) a lifetime achievement
0: award yeah
1: absolutely so today and actually this
0: was a suggestion we had from one of our twitter friends um, but it was a few months ago. It was asking us when we were going to do an episode on this. And we thought we would do an episode on it today. So we thought we would talk today about uh, the, Her Majesty's loyal opposition and the Labour Party and Brexit. Yeah. Um, and part, one of the reasons we wanted to... Well, one of the reasons I suggested this, and one of the reasons that I suggested it, is that I think there's a... a a view uh, that Remain are trying to are trying to ruin the Labour Party. You know, that they're always having a go at the Labour Party and they're trying to ruin them and it's a party political thing. And I think... I don't think it's unfair to say that for some, some Remainers it is an, opp- an opportunity for, for a party political point as well. But I don't think it is on the whole and I think it's actually... Uh, I think it's actually about about moving labour. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what we th- how we perceive labour's yeah. what we think labour's position is.
1: Well, uh, yeah, on that because it's not abundantly obvious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just quick, very quickly on what you just said, um, a lot of people who are, are interested in the EU and um, are pro Remain happen to be liberal liberal democrats. Um, there's a, for, for, for obvious reasons, there's an overlap in that Venn diagram. Yeah. So you'll get a lot of people who have been lifelong Lib Dems looking at the current situation in terms of opposition to the Tory government quite justifiably saying, well, doesn't this just justify the fact that I stuck it out with the Lib Dems and aren't Labour being absolutely terrible and you should all come and join the Lib Dems? No, that doesn't mean that Remain and Lib Dems are a perfectly overlapping Venn diagram or ever should be or ever would be. This is not a party political thing for, I would say, a great many remainers, certainly me. But what does seem to be clear now is
0: that Labour looks willing to go, is willing to go along with Brexit, one way or another. Seems to be the case to me. The Labour leadership, and I think we have to make a, bi- I think we have to make a big distinction from the beginning here about l- the Labour leadership and Labour MPs, members and voters. See... And I think we have to make. A, I really think we have to make a big distinction there because I think I think it's a, I think what we're going to talk about now is actually a question about the lab, the Labour leadership and the Labour leadership yeah. policy rather than the policy that people wanted to have. I think.
1: See, I haven't really um, I haven't really given this a lot of thought as to how I'm going to approach this in, in our discussion tonight. But um, as as we discuss it, I, I, I want to maybe, wind, step back a bit um, and, and, and not make it. About Corbyn and and his immediate entourage, mm. or an, at least not all about them, um, because it's easy to, it, it's easy and it, it's tempting, especially if if you are you know, somebody who's voted Labour and has some sympathy with the Labour Party, to then and, and you're a Remainer. It's easy to turn it into well, there's there's, there's Corbyn and 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 and, and the, Lexist brexists, uh, and then there's the good guys. And actually, do you know what? I don't think it's as simple as that. Uh, I, um, I've been thinking a lot about the, about this in the, in, in, in the current context of Windrush mm. and the whole anti-immigrant um, environment that's spread up, this hostile environment that's spread up. Because, again, let's not forget, you know, uh, as, um, as infinitely more impressive the Labour government uh, in the years up to 2010 were than the current bunch they still um, implemented a bunch of policies, um, including the early days of this more hostile environment. Um, they, they, they did some other things. They did um, that, that I think in hindsight are highly um, questionable. Um, for example, the way in which they took a, an almost ideological position in 2004 with the big enlargement, To say no, no, we're going to adopt the, uh, we're going to occupy the moral high ground, and we're going Mm. to uh, avoid any transitional uh, arrangements. We will simply open our um, our 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 borders immediately, uh, without any transition. And therefore, you know, (laughs) guess what? (laughs) As as we were the only ones who did that, um, everybody came to the UK, and there was a surge, and it did create pressures. And those pressures were not then handled in um, the way in which you would like them to become. I mean, you know, yeah, they, they, I, think enriched- I think that's
0: really important because I think it was, I actually think it, it was a morally right decision, and I think it well, was morally right to say, "You're a member of the mm-hmm. EU, or you're not," and we've made you a. Mem- we've said that you could be a member of the EU, so we shouldn't say that your people are second-class EU citizens. I, th- I think. On that- the other hand, on the other hand, knowing that the others weren't going to do it, which he did at the time. Yeah. Then you have to put in. Lo- then you have to put in measures to mitigate it, and also you have to explain it to the population, which have which have never been done. You know, I think
1: it's, so. it's it's it's, it's um, yeah. There's a lot of things to be said about this, and I think that you know in, we know that in politics and in government, um, simply occupying the moral high ground is not always um, uh, a sustainable way of approaching it. Um, you can say, well, look, this is where we want to be, and we will. Put in place measures so that we, you know, over time we will get to where we want to be. But we can't do it straight away because of all these other reasons. It's complicated, right? It is. It but, is
0: complicated. But I think. But I think. I think politics is does have um, uh, does have morality. Does have morality in oh, doing the right without thing without a shadow and of a doubt. It, and it, you know, at, the it's U- heart, at its heart, though, and I think it, I, I do think I was I was actually proud of the UK government the for U-
1: doing U- that. the UK. The, the UK's Labour government showed uh, moral leadership in that regard, and I think, uh, and, I, and I don't want to criticise it for that.
0: But, but I don't think they took it. To, but I don't think they took it and folded to the people and explained exactly. It, that's the point. And then yeah, look absolutely. what happened. So where I wanted yes. to
1: go with this was look what happened in the two thousand and ten election campaign and subsequently in the two thousand and fifteen election campaign. Look at what happened when uh, when Gordon Brown got caught um, with his mic on uh, off camera calling a, bigoted, a woman, bigoted woman a bigoted woman, you know, yeah. and then him, how he had to row back from, or he, how he felt he had to row back from that, and how and after in fact that... In she was very ther- bigoted. she or, was. She ther- big was. Big he just, you know, he, he, this is a rare <laughs> outbreak of truth for a politician, and then of the second <laughs> that, you know, he did this, he rowed back from it. And then what happened? You know, he went, he, 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 he sort of ate ate shit um, in a private meeting in her house, and, 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 and ever after, the Labour Party was desperately chasing the... Um, anti-immigrant bigoted vote from the working classes. And look at, vote, look yeah. at where we ended up with with you know Ed Miliband, of all people, with this awful anti-migrant cup, and the mug. Do you remember yeah, the, yeah. the red mug, yeah, the anti-migrant mug? Which just made me so angry and, and, and upset. And I think that that really did create an environment in which the uh, it, 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 it fed and enabled the anti-immigrant Atmosphere, which was then capitalised upon by UKIP, and then you know it's clear that Theresa May has some issues issues with immigration, doesn't she? I mean, yeah, there's something going on there. I mean, I've read as stuff by. I've, I've,
0: I've, I've, I've read stuff by inside. I mean, public stuff, not stuff people have told me. But I, I mean, there does seem to be a theme that she thought that she's personally obsessed with it. Huh?
1: Well, it does seem to be that way. But I mean, you know, and and you know, the Labour Party on. It isn't the Labour Party's fault that Theresa May has a problem with foreigners. <laughs> but what happened was they did create space for that atmosphere to, to, to flourish, unfortunately. And I think now where we are where we are, and, 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 that, and so leading back, getting us back, back to Brexit, I think that that fed the atmosphere and, uh, uh, that, that, that led to Brexit. Because I think I think it cannot be denied that Brexit was a fundamentally a xenophobic spasm on the part of the country. I, well, at least,
0: I, well at, at least for a, at least for a proportion of, of leave, leave voters, we don't have to say, oh, about, say it about all leave voters, but to say well, it, it, it's was it, about non or not a large yeah, proportion. And the ones who weren't would be crazy. And the, one, the ones yeah.
1: who weren't piggybacked on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Was it because it wasn't discussed? I mean, a lot of people like to say this. A lot of people like to say, well, it's because it wasn't discussed. It's because oh, there wasn't please. an actual – because there wasn't actually a conversation about it. You couldn't have a so, – Well, there, no, there was no, a but, massive no, poster no.
1: with Nigel Farage showing a bunch of people, you know, using no, Nazis. No no. I mean, Nazi- no, no,
0: no, I mean earlier with – I mean earlier in 2004 and 2005 and 2006, you know, that basically the – the, the uh, Blaise Uh, strategy with immigration was to just absolutely Mm. keep it off the agenda and and not and not talk about it Mm. and maybe if we talked about it for example look at the studies being done now the studies jonathan ports for example showing very very clearly that in fact apart from at the very 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 lowest paid where it's normally picked Mm. up where wages are normally picked up by the, the minimum wage anyway Immigration, in fact, pushes pushes wages up and increases ta- and increases tax Steve, take. It's, it's, and you know this was this was known before, but it wasn't it wasn't discussed. It, you know, yeah. it wasn't discussed, and it, you could have had a conversation, and discussed
1: it, but people politicians were very very scared in case they opened the can of worms. You know? can substitute almost in in every in every situation where we talk about immigration, you can substitute the word Europe. You know. Europe wasn't discussed, Europe wasn't sold, Europe wasn't sold to the public. Europe has all these benefits to society um, that have simply so not been told, then people no. don't know about and people don't understand it. And the the, the general um narrative the general framing is to be anti-european or to be apologetic for europe and it's exactly the same for immigration immigration is a fantastic benefit free movement is a wonderful yeah. benefit for for all of society all of it from the poorest to to, to the richest. we all benefit from immigration and we need it and yeah. So yeah. We benefit cult- culturally and economically <laughs> yeah. and yeah. yeah it's 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 as if nobody can say it nobody it's like well no i mean obviously immigration is a terrible thing but we have to have you know look we have we can't completely so we're going to manage it or we're going to be in control of it and it's exactly you can't you can substitute every time you listen try it at home every time you hear somebody talk about immigration (laughs) take out the word immigration put in the word europe or the eu and vice versa ian dundall brings up this um you know,
0: this line that people use that you have to, we have to address people's legitimate concerns, you know. And he's all saying, if your legitimate yeah. concern is that you don't like someone speaking Polish on a bus, yeah. that you can fuck, yeah, fuck off, off, actually.
1: Yeah. That's not a legitimate concern. Well, if, it's yeah. that
0: you, if it's that you don't like foreigners
1: because they're foreign, that's not actually a well, legitimate exactly. concern. And, and, you know? and when you start talking about legitimate concerns for people who dislike immigration, I mean, you know, I mean, that's, let's, you're hiding. That's not, that's not... What legitimate concerns? Seriously, what what absolutely genuinely legis- legitimate concerns?
0: Well, well, when when we when we get hundreds of hundreds of NHS doctors uh, saying that immigration has put pressure on the health service, then we can start talking about legitimate concerns. But we don't get that actually. We get hundreds of NHS doctors saying without immigration, the health service would be fucked. Yeah, um, and also all those yeah. NHS
1: doctors are all about to d- be deported anyway. It disappear and cause a crisis in it. Absolutely. So.
0: Yeah, so I, I agree about that. So, should we talk? Should we should we talk about what what each of us thinks Labour's position on Brexit actually <laughs> actually is? Yeah, all right. Because it's it's, because it's it's not abundantly clear, and no. uh, people people tweet me constantly, saying, it, "Look, it's perfectly clear, Steve." And, you know, sort of a twelve tweet conversation later, you're thinking, "I've got absolutely no, I've got absolutely no idea," because yeah. we've had. What have we had? We've had, we've got the six tests. Um, I mean, the question I want to ask about the six, so ostensibly, so some, some Labour supporters will tell us, uh, honestly, and I'm, I'm being, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not claiming that people are being disingenuous. You know, I want, you know, people are saying good, Labour, many Labour supporters are saying good faith. Uh, there are at least six tests. If these six tests aren't met, mm. Labour will vote against the deal. Yeah, And then you look at the six tests. and so, I mean, at least, at least one of them, possibly two, are theoretically impossible to be met. met. Um, most of them don't look like they will be, and some of them are actually internally incoherent. So if one was met, the other one couldn't be. Mm. Um, so then you've got to have the. Then you ask the question: Is it all six? Is it half of them? Is it one of them? Because if this is the clarity in the policy, then we need then we need clarity on that. You know. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the question, and then we see that referendums are a referendum on the deal is ruled out at one point by somebody and then ruled and then not yeah. ruled out in an interview with somebody else senior. Um you know and then other people have hope that the the movement to accepting a customs union, you know, is a is one of the steps mm-hmm. that they need to they need to take. But then fundamentally you, you fundamentally you end up with people saying, But if Labour moved to a pro remain position or a pro uh referendum on the deal <laughs> position they would be hemorrhaging voters well wow. but then the but then, yeah well we'll come to that but maybe mm. if you, i mean so what's your what's your view because the well i mean my, it's very contradictory and yeah. then you have and then you have their leader saying we
1: accept the result exactly, of the referendum yeah. so so as i mean on, on this I, s- I see myself as something of an outsider i mean i'm i'm, I'm a brussels insider but i'm a UK politics and Whitehall outside. I mean, I don't see myself as part as as as, as within the bubble uh, mm. by any means. Don't mean either, no, me um, neither. Uh, I think UK that um, I, what I see on paper, as expressed by Keir Starmer, the responsible shadow uh, minister, is not what I see in practice when the Labour Party whips its MPs in Parliament. Mm. So I'm I'm seeing. So I'm I'm seeing a, a, a dissonance there, and my interpretation is that they're just as the government, just as Theresa May's government, is constantly looking for forms of words that will mend rifts or paper over rifts in its party, kicking the can down the road. So the Labour Party is not so much interested in putting together a viable Brexit policy or opposing the government as papering over its own internal divisions. And Mm. so it seems to me, that's how it seems to me as an outsider. I look at UK politics and both the main parties are so busy dealing with their own internal conflict, with their own civil wars, none of them are gripping a thing. That's how I see it. I'm afraid.
0: No, and I think, I think I really think there's something in this. Um, I mean, because it should be said that there's a huge labor for remain
1: movement, yeah. I mean, it's massive. You see it on social media, you meet well, people... Look at, look, at, look at the result yeah. of the election mm-hmm. last year. Look at the result of the election. If that did not tell the Labour Party that they had mileage to gain from taking a more proactive anti-Brexit stance, and opposing the government, then I really don't know what to say. I mean, okay, all right, maybe I guess when the, you're... But then the last
0: election revolt has been used by both sides... To say that eighty-two percent of people voted for <laughs> voted for people who f- voted for parties that want Brexit that at this stage want Brexit to go through.
1: Oh, I hate British politics. For so so the tactical
0: much. Vo- I mean, for the tactical vote, and um, Beth for Britain did some some good analysis and polling on this, um, an analysis of, of results and polling that Labour benefited. I mean, we don't know whether it they benefited to a critical extent, but they certainly benefited from people wanting to tactically vote for pro-EU candidates and anti-Brexit candidates by the Lib Dems, essentially, uh, to some degree, standing aside, or the Greens, to some degree, standing aside, um, and then a lot of people feel that that's just been pocketed, say, so, oh, thanks for the vote, we don't care, we're, we're not really interested whether it's pro-EU or not, we're interested in the, that it was for Labour, and at the same time, people have used this 82%, I mean, you've heard it loads of times, from, from all sides, mm. you know? And they say, well, how can Labour move? 82% of people voted for pro-Brexit parties. If Labour becomes an anti-Brexit yeah, party, bullshit. then... Well, it is. And also, the, it, I mean, it is in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a word. But at the same time, it doesn't... What, what, I, what I don't understand about the position is that... Oh, so, well, there was a poll out this week um, that... Uh, well, it was YouGov. So I, actually, every, every, everybody I come across who's a supporter of leadership in Labour will instantly tell you that the, the polling's wrong, whatever, whatever the polling says, because it's from a, a, an, anti-Corbyn, uh, an anti-Corbyn polling company. So this was a YouGov survey of, of, of Labour supporters, self-identified Labour supporters and voters, and it found that on, only 21% still considered that the UK had made the right decision to mm. leave, the, yeah. leave the EU. That's twenty one percent of Labour voters that they're scared of leave that they're scared of losing. Yeah. You know that they have they have to triangulate electorally and keep not alienate Remain voters but keep the Leave voters. And we're talking about yeah, the polling is showing that we're talking about 20, 21 to twenty five again. Sorry, I should be twenty one to thirty percent is the range that seems to be shown by polls, and. They don't seem to contemplate that they're going to lose Remain voters of a, revo- Steve, of a revolt of it.
1: we're back and- at exactly what we were talking about, which is the commodification of politics, turning it into Indeed. a consumer product, trying to focus group it, trying to market test it so that you reach the most ABC... Sell ve- the most product. You know, it, 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 product it, it, this is exactly what's wrong with our politics. If if If, if we had politicians... Who said? Well, look, this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to lead because I think this is this is what we need. You know, and, and imagine actually... it. Imagine. imagine, it. Well, they
0: are some. They are some. Unfortunately, they're not leaders They're not in, in the leadership of either main party. That's the that's the issue. They are. They are lots of politicians like that actually. They're and awesome, the leadership. Yeah. Thing, but the leadership thing's a really interesting thing because this 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 argument's used by a lot of Labour supporters. You know that that. Like I said, they, they have to. It would be electoral suicide if they moved, and they have to hang on to these votes. I mean, firstly, the votes that they're talking about are really UKIP votes because uh, they they're worried about losing them to UKIP. Now UKIP's gone, and for a Labour for a Labour voter to move from Labour to Conservative is an extremely is an extremely big move, and particularly in the uh, in the sort of uh, northern working class, leave voting, constituencies that, that Labour's most most worried about losing votes in.
1: Especially this um,
0: party. party. Uh, exactly. And particularly this, I think what it's fair to say is an anti-poor. Um, I mean, really, you'd have uh, to an be. An anti-poor conservative party. So, I, so they're not going to lose be. a lot from that. And So in fact, they're courting people who they don't want to lose to UKIP. So they're, cour- they're courting racists and, and
1: xenophobes yeah, by doing this. I know. they chasing after the fringes.
0: I would never doubt about I mean, I would never doubt about Corbyn that, uh, that he has strong convictions and is, uh, is in politics to try and make things better and wants to make a better world. And, is an on- and I also think, personally, that on the whole, he's a very honest, honest man as well. Um, but <laughs> um, if you're going after getting xenophobes on, on side rather than leading people in what you think is right... Uh, you're doing something very wrong, and and the polling show and the polling shows that he is. I mean, we have the worst government, I think, possibly, possibly ever. We might be talking now, um, and the polls almost never show a Labour lead. They show a Labour le- somewhere between. Six or seven points behind and level pegging, depending on the goals and, and the time. You be asking
1: yourself some really serious questions. when, and At this stage, with this government, the government... They, they should, should be destroying the government. They should be. Them. Even without trying, they should be just light years ahead of this absolute sorry bunch in the polls. They really yeah. should. And so badly wrong.
0: And he does have perf- personal ratings way above May, but the personal ratings still aren't very high among the general population. I mean, they're, they're very high among Labour <sighs> uh, members, but really not very high among the general population. Um, but the thing that, about the, the leadership is that he's been very effective as a thought leader on lots of issues. I mean, he's led the Labour Party further to the left. He's led on housing issues. He's led on transport. He's led on privatisation. and he's brought, And he has convinced and brought people... Brought people round to it. There's no. There's absolutely no doubt that he has. So, to then take a you know a conviction politician who is who is able to lead people and lead people in thought, to then say no, well there's an electoral calculation that we have to make here and we'll be screwed and that's what the future of the country
1: will depend on. Which is on. why, you, which is why you sort of think, well it can't be that. It has to be that he just doesn't. He what is what's the other reason that he's you know I mean there, there, there are schools of thought. One is that okay he's an old he's an old school. 1960s, 1970s, uh, anti, anti-EU socialist,
0: anti-common market. Yeah, yeah. Anti-common I mean, he did socialist. vote against the common market, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, then there's the other school of thought, which is that he's an authoritarian socialist who sees that Brexit is actually going to give him the means he needs by the back door, so that he can, you know, well, socialist Britain.
0: This is leaf chari- really the, for the leaf charitable view. Is that, but it's a, 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 a quite a prevalent one. Is that uh, you simply let Brexit happen?
1: Yeah,
0: it's a catastrophe, and then the 2022 election, you you clean up. You know,
1: because yeah. But also, of, it gives him. You know, it means that he can do all sorts of things like introducing quite stringent and far-reaching. Um, uh privatization uh nationalization and, 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 and taxation these all po- and all these other th- but these uh, things are all possible i mean some things aren't like you know hefty state aid and so on but privatization have exactly. done a certain uh, nationalization have done a certain way it's possible yeah but the state yeah. aid isn't going to be possible after brexit no, like, there is it? we know that yeah, so exactly. okay so uh, we both know that that lexit fa- is that lexit dream is is literally a fancy it's not it's not going to happen but then you know what okay. how do we explain it what um how do we explain? Because it can't be that he doesn't understand or hasn't been told or hasn't understood that he won't have the means to deliver his programme if the economy goes down the toilet, which is what will happen after Brexit. Yeah,
0: with a with a with a with a with a tanker and fleet with a, a a yet lower credit rating, having already tax, lost the tax credit revenues
1: rating. vanishing.
0: Tax revenues vanishing. Uh, he must. He massive, knows that, right? A well, math we... labor shortage. Yeah. Um,
1: we both agree that he must know that.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's. Maybe he's. Maybe he's deluded. I don't know. I really. Or maybe his advisors are just telling him it'll be okay. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to think not.
1: I mean, I don't think. I don't think he's sick eh? I mean, I don't think he's. I mean, I don't think he's. Tom sick. Watson knows. Keir Starmer knows. Diane Abbott knows. I think. Um, I think Diane Abbott knows. David yeah. Lammy knows. Yeah, you know, all these. You know, we're not talking about the chuckers and, 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 and so on who who you know are probably not going to get uh, a word in his private shell, like. But there are plenty of people, senior people in the Labour Party, who get this. We know. But then Starm has said he's accepted it. I mean, Starm has
0: said it's going to ha- it's going to happen, and there's nothing we can do. What breaks it? Which then which then casts massive doubt on the six on the pointlessness. Well, exactly. on, on the point of a sixth test? You exactly. know? and this is what I'm saying about the lack of the lack of clarity here. Is extremely damaging, and um, and I think it's it's hard to, and also I mean it's very much against what Labour voters and Labour members want. I mean, all the polling of Labour Labour members say that they, you know, between seventy and eighty percent.
1: I don't understand it. Remain, I I you know? I, I, so. I can't make, I can't square the circle. I I cannot.
0: There's an interesting I, thing in the poll. There's an interesting thing in the in, in the analysis of the polling that, um, if you take. Uh, Labour voters only, and you take leavers and remainers, and you ask them to rank their top priorities. Um, leavers will rank the normal, traditional Labour stuff that if Brexit had never happened and wasn't an issue, you would expect any Labour supporter to put to put it their, their, as their top priorities. So the health service, housing, social justice issues, things like this, um, and then they'll and then they'll put the EU or leaving the EU at four or five or below. Whereas Remainers put it as their number one priority and then list all of the other Labour priorities because they know that the Labour priorities can't be delivered without. I mean, my worry is I'm I'm not a Labour supporter, but obviously they're the main opposition party. And I have a huge worry that actually Labour does win in 2022, having Brexit having happened exactly as they want. They then can't deliver a hugely ambitious and radical programme and I are consigned to the dustbin of history mm. for, well, of for course, 10 or 15 exactly. years. I and mean, that's the other thing that's... I mean, you... a, a Labour government getting in and not delivering will, on that kind of well, manifesto will be absolutely again, catastrophic. if
1: you were a Labour strategist right now, you'd be looking at the future, you'd be thinking, oh, my God, we are so fucked. Because, yeah. you know...
0: But they're, not, but they're not because they've all become Lexiters overnight, like Mark, uh, You mean that all the people Mark's, with Mark's any...
1: Mark's are all suddenly... Suddenly, Brexiters having campaigned for... <laughs> they're all Lexiters now. See, look, this is the thing, Steve. I mean, this is this, this is what, part of the reason that we're talking about the Labour Party um, is that, um, A, it's just too depressing to keep talking about the Tories. But, B, well, yeah. I, you know, I think you understand. I mean, you, it's awful and it's sickening and it's horrible, but you kind of understand why the Tories are in the state that they're in. And, you know, you understand what's going on there. It's, it, it, yeah, it's yeah. transparent. You know, you've got this awful – but. I don't understand what's happening in the labor. I just don't get it. I can't make head of sense you know I 'm a, a, a thinking politically um, aware, literate person, and I like to think that I'm you know good at strategy and things like that, and I'm I look. judge that well. I look and I cannot understand what's going on. Um, with Brexit, I, uh, with with Labour Party, with the Labour Party right now, I just go because if I were a Labour strategist, if I, if I were a Corbynite, if I were fully paid up momentum and I was in with the program, and I am frankly not unsympathetic to the Corbyn program, mm. right? I I'm would left be well. I, I'm not unsympathetic to it. I, I'm really not actually, and um, I. My problem with it is that he he's not going to get to do it. He's gonna he's gonna yeah. be crucified. It's like it's like um, it's like Nick Clegg and his uh, electoral reform um, portfolio that he was given in the coalition. It's like the math of poison you, Nick, you, you know yeah. that you're not going to be able to deliver this. Just yeah. you know, it's you've you've basically been sold a turkey. You, this isn't going to work because we know this, and of course it didn't. And it's the same with you know, and, and I desperately wanted electoral reform because it it would have, it it was one of the ways in which we'd have averted this entire mess that we're mm, currently quite, in. Absolutely, yeah. but we knew that we weren't going to get it because of the way in which it was it was it was it was it was designed. So in, in exactly the same way, um, you know, look at all the different scenarios. Um, say um, we, we get a Brexit, things go really pear shaped. Labour Party sweeps to victory. Prime Minister Corbyn is completely unable to deliver on his programme and gets blamed for that. And yeah, the Tories will, come will. back the next uh, one term later saying, Well, look at the mess that the Labour Party have made of Brexit. You need yeah. us to fix this mess. You know, that's what's going to happen.
0: That's yeah, yeah, at full, full, full profitable, which
1: would be just an awful night. It'd be a It'd and then you're looking at, then you're looking at 10, or
0: 15, ten or fifteen years. You're looking at a discredited Labour Party, and ten or fifteen years of Tory Tory government, which would be which is the worst possible thing that could happen. I mean, absolutely, exactly. And this, I mean, this is it. This, I mean, you know, I don't. I really don't want people to think I'm having a pop at Labour here, um, in in an attempt to we, to, to, to weaken Labour. Um, you know, <laughs> Labour Labour being incredibly weak and allowing the Tories to be in government long term. Wherever is you the, are, is we the need the absolute, a strong Labour Party. Like, yeah, exactly. That's the absolute last, last, absolute last thing, mm. uh, last thing I, I, w- I want to happen. Um, you know, I'm not having a problem. I'm, I'm asking them to change their policy mm. for the good of the country, and also I think for their for their own good, for their own good. Mm. Um, both elect, both electoral, in the in the, the, the short and medium term, and but
1: also in the in the in the long run. So, Steve, what are we advising our listeners to do in the local elections?
0: That's a nifty nifty segue. <laughs> seamless, seamless like lycra. I was um, Well, I mean, I, I've 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 supported anti-Brexit tactical voting. So, so, the story with anti-Brexit tactical voting in the general election last year was that people were in there was a, a movement that encouraged people to um, choose the pro-EU candidate who had the best chance of winning in their constituency. Um, and the, there's a bit of evidence that showed that Labour benefited from this. Like I said before, I don't know whether it's... Uh, we don't know whether it was critical or not, but they certainly did benefit from it. Um, and uh, quite a few, you know, uh, pro u Labour candidates were were, were returned. Yeah. Um, so when people got round to thinking about the, the local elections in May... Now, yeah, so a lot of Remainers think that this was... These votes were effectively banked and then used to justify a position that, that one way or another, accepts Brexit um, and uh, gives tacit, tacit support for it, and in fact active support at times mm. as well. Mm. Um, so there's a movement afoot to um, for anti-Brexit tactical voting for the for the local elections in England on the fifth of May. Um, yeah. That it shouldn't be for candidates; it should be for it should be for parties because. <sighs> We, a lot of people feel like we've tried everything with Labour. We've tried to explain that it would be beneficial electorally. We've tried to explain the rights and wrongs of the situation. We've tried to explain through rational self-interest, appeal to rational self-interest. We've tried to explain the long-term consequences. We've tried to explain that the, the current policy doesn't even solve the Northern Ireland problem, the Northern Ireland border issue. Um, and, you know, there hasn't, there hasn't been a movement so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the theory behind it is that you don't, get a, you don't get a party to move by voting for it. You don't get a party to move position by voting for it, because uh, a, vote, a vote for a party is, a, 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 you know, an affirmation of support for the, for the, for the current positions yeah. that they're taking. And, I, I mean, I honestly have no idea whether it'll make any difference or not, but, mm. I, don't, but I think it's unreasonable to expect people's votes to be missed, to, to people to allow their votes to be misused in the way that they were by both sides after the, after the last general election.
1: And, <laughs> Look, I, and, I, I do, yeah.
0: and I don't recommend this without reservation either. I mean, yeah. these are local elections, and, um, you know, it, it seems deeply unfair to be making a national issue out of a yeah, local you know. You, and you, also, I'm yeah. not particularly fond of, fond of tactical voting mm-hmm. in principle either. Yeah. But, what, but what else can we do? I mean, on the first one, on the local issue... Um, you know we 've said that every every single issue will be affected by brexit, and every the ability to deal with every single problem mm. that we face will be adversely affected it'll be harder to deal with there'll be fewer resources to deal with it and we'll have a you know um, a, a, a more split society a, a less outward looking society will be in economic difficulties so so you know what 's a local issue a local issue like infrastructure well if there 's less money there'll be less money for infrastructure and or uh, health, local health provision. There'll be less money for local health provision. You can name absolutely any of them. And for so Brexit is a local, Brexit is a national issue, but it has absolutely one-to-one direct impact on on local issues. Yeah.
1: No, I think you're right. Well, I mean, it won't come as any surprise to anybody listening who who, who heard our Easter federalism special. Another plug for that. That <laughs> you know, my my view on this is, local local politics in the UK is is. is Broken and it's broken for the same reason that European politics in the UK is broken. So there, there is a very important link there. Um, given that it's broken, why would you go out and vote on local issues? Why not simply accept the reality and register a protest, vote on a national issue? But I still, I still find that really hard to actively you know propose that people should do that but it just it just sticks in my throat. No, like, I understand. You know? No, um, I I really under, I I really do understand Chris. I really do understand um, that. But, you know, um but I think that parties do look at this because yeah.
0: People always dismiss polls they don't like. Mm. We always talk up the the opinion polls that we do like and we talk down the polls that we don't like. Mm. And this is a poll that's incontrovertible. This is actually this is real voting, and and also you know we've seen with the, the errors in polling that <laughs> we've seen in the last decade, and the unexpected results that um, that people do vote differently when they're behind the curtain with the mm. pencil in the hand, mm. to, to, to the way that they or many people do to the way that they say. I mean, lots of people don't make actually make their mind up until they're in the booth, or they're very close to it. Mm. Um, now, this, I mean, it seems deeply unfair because you've obviously had lots of people who are very good councillors working at a local level, working as hard as they possibly can on local issues. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to, however good they are, they're not going to be able to deliver after Brexit in the way that they'd hoped they'd be able to, um, yeah. because, uh, because there won't be the resources. So you're not, I agree that in general, of course, in normal times, it's much better to vote, vote on local issues and vote. And in any election, you should vote for the person you think is going to be the best representative. Yeah. But we have an electoral system that puts us in this position where 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 tactical voting is often necessary. I don't like it at all. Yeah. And if we had PR out uh, a, a good PR yeah. system, there would be no need for it. But we don't. And and we have parties that don't appear to be listening to their membership or their supporters.
1: So yeah. I think I, you I know, think one, you're thing, right. one thing isn't
0: mm. going to move the posi- one thing isn't going to move that the position and that's voting for the current position. You know? No,
1: I, th- I, I think I'm on balance listening to you, Steve. I think I think you're right. I think actually, do you know what? This is this is a time where, you know, needs must. And right now, what we need to do is we need to send a signal. So vote for a party at oh, the national level, is opposed to Brexit. Vote Green, Lib Dem, I M P. I don't know. Are there elections in Scotland? No, there
0: aren't elections no. in Scotland. There aren't elections in Scotland. <sighs> Yeah. Um, yeah, but it is regret. You know, I take no, pl- <laughs> I take no pleasure whatsoever in it. It, it is with regret, and it, but it's circumstances led to it. Yeah. But of course, there is a way for if labour if labour don't like the idea that people are going to do that, and they're worried that people will. Hmm. Firstly, that's a sign that uh, that's a sign that uh, it's 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 the right thing to do if you want to make labour take notice.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: At, and and also they can put it right. Um, and I think the the, the launch of the uh, the people's vote campaign uh, and final say campaigns mm. actually give them the get out on this thing. Say, okay, well, exactly. we, you know, we don't have they they don't have to come out fully against Brexit. In fact, you can, they could come out for for uh, for a people's vote or final say referendum on the deal, mm. um, and then uh, Corbyn could, if he wished, campaign to accept it to accept the deal. You know. Um, so there is something you know. If, if Labour supporters are listening to this, the idea is not to piss you off. It's not to, and it's not to ruin your party. It's, it, there's a way to. There's a way the party can, can keep can keep Remain voters, and that's by, and they and they don't even have to move to a full Remain position to do that. That's my point. You
1: well, know? they don't have to. They don't have to compromise on the, Corbyn's left wing agenda.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: that's that's for me. That's the, that's the main point that I'd like to get across to, Lexit types. You do not have to compromise on your agenda to stay in the EU. And if I think that the EU is a fundamentally right-wing thing, is, I find completely bonkers. There cause... are all sorts of reasons for that. <laughs> and, you know, there are all sorts of reasons why people on the right think that it's a fundamentally left-wing thing. But, I mean, it, it's mm. not. <laughs> it is what it is. And it, it is what we make it. So, you know, engage. <laughs> yeah. Listen, uh, we should. Um, I don't know how long we've been talking already. We we thought this would be a quick one, but I suspect it's not going to be. But um, how, how I'll just you cut th- that bit out about your um, time at university and, yeah. again and we'll be fine. <laughs> Speaking of which, how do you fancy moving on to lie of the week? Lie of the week. We've got a few this week, haven't we? Should
0: we do the music? Yeah, let's do the music.
1: I don't believe you. Liar. Yeah. Lie of the week. Oh, lie of the week. We've got a couple of corkers. We have got some absolute barnstormers. Um, at least two of them brought by our very famous, a very favourite plastic toff, Mr. <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg.
0: Do you think that the, 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 the Tomphan Publishing, Tom. Uh, actually issued a cease and desist yes. order to
1: Jacob Riefmark for, for, yeah. for, for, for emulating a Bino character. Nicely done, Bino marketers. But it was actually, it was actually through their lawyers. It was actually legal cease. cease and desist. No, it was terrific. Yes, they weren't I, joking. I, what I think was so great about this was that it, um, okay, it was funny and we all had a little but actually what it did was it was also, it was proper satire because of what it did. <laughs> it homed directly in <laughs> on the key thing here, which is that the whole thing is fucking act it's exactly a precisely act. that's what it was calling him out for that a huge affectation absolutely uh, this 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 young man who wandered around university with a silver tipped cane and a top hat this is not somebody who was doing that to be natural or to blend in or because it, this was an act from the word go and as chris Patton, i think said the other day it what was endearing and amusing in a in a twelve year old is not so funny and enduring in a forty eight year old because that's all he not. is. He's only forty eight. It's really not funny. It's really not funny at all. Actually, <laughs> oh. yeah. Well. Anyway, dear old dear old
0: so, Jacob, but um, so we're going to give him a lifetime achievement award
1: yeah. this week, right? Well done, Jacob. We will send it to you uh, in the post. You um... no, we won't. Careful now. <laughs> Um Yeah. So the f- f- first of his classic lies this week is blaming the entire Windrush thing on the EU.
0: And it had to happen, didn't it? I mean, it had to happen. We had to reach... I think this might actually be... Peak lie. Peak, peak Brexit bullshit. I think this might be, might be the worst one yet. The, the, the logical twists and turns and manipulations of reality and hoops that he jumped through to get from we've been fucking assholes to people and it's the EU's fault...
1: I mean, it's really, really, really beyond belief. Well, I mean, he's not um, the only one to be doing this, is he? Because Gove, dear old, dear old Gove, um, said something similar on the Sunday TV um, politics programmes where he well, said... Well, he didn't quite
0: say the same thing. He he, he he said that leaving the EU would allow us to have a... Yeah,
1: as usual. A, a much nicer, sort of, kinder yeah, immigration policy. He's sort of similar kind of devious, <laughs> slimy, kind of like backward stabbing. Look, if we... Brexit is great because when we've left the EU and kept out all the foreigners, it means that we'll be more welcoming to foreigners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outstanding bit of logic. I mean, there was, we had a quite a good exchange on Twitter about this. It was you know, people coming up with some more classics, like, you know, the, the classic line of um, the operation was a success, but the patient died. And stuff like yeah, that. and um, you know.
0: once we've completed the pogroms, yes, we will be more open. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, it's 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 horrific. Actually, it's really horrific because it's 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 uh, because it has consequences Because this, this kind of this kind of chat and political point scoring we're seeing now has horrific implications for for individual people. You know, that's what it eventually translates into. Um. And I, 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 don't even want to go into how Reef Mogg tried to blame the EU. No, Windrush, well, I mean, to be honest, I don't, be honest, I don't the, know because all I saw was treatments. the headline,
1: and I did not want to read it. I, I, I did bear. read it, and oh, um, I didn't want to.
0: I don't even want to give it, give it,
1: give it any more oxygen. Well, let's get, let's get, move on to his second, much more, um, much more attractive lie. We, well, it might not. Well, this one might not be a lie because you know it hasn't happened
0: yet. We should say the legal cake watcher has asked me to say that. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I Spoiler. think it probably, it's a lie. I think, no, well, I think it probably. I'm, I'm going to say Chris is on a higher salary than me, so I'm going to say I think it probably will turn out to be a lie. Um,
1: <laughs> and you can sue Chris, help me. Well, listeners, will be launching uh, uh, a <laughs> Cake Watch <laughs> Defence Fund for when Jacob Rees-Mogg sues uh, me for this for this for this slanderous accusation. We can um, o- we
0: can o- we can overview o- the defence that nobody, the very very few people heard the accusation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, should we just shall we say what it is? Yeah. J- Jake Rees-Mogg has told the country, has told us, he will flee the country if the Conservative Party abandons Brexit.
0: Yay! Well, no, he won't. <laughs> well, he won't. If we can have that in writing, that might actually work. That might help. Yeah, uh, yeah it might. A few but he he's not going. To- no, I think there's quite a few Tory rebels that if you had that if they actually had that in writing in a legally endorsed document, uh, that might be enough to get them that might be enough to get them voting against
1: Brexit stuff, actually. actually. How many how many how many Tories over the years can we list <laughs> who've said that they're gonna leave the country if something they don't like doesn't happen? No yeah. something they don't like happens. Actually
0: ones who say that tend to leave office rather than the country, I find. I think yeah, well they tend already that, yeah. to live in Switzerland
1: or New York, you know, people
0: yeah. like or France, like Nigel Lawson, yes. Mm. Uh, you do the you do the other lies. Uh, so we have uh, Pretty Patel once again saying that uh, the EU is a protectionist racket that harms uh, third world producers, third world farmers, particularly coffee producers. Um. And rather fantastic. You, you really see the benefit. You know, Twitter gets a lot of stick for being a sort of, you know, uh, a, a cesspit of abuse, and it can be at times. But sometimes Twitter's absolutely wonderful. And we can post a link to the, the, uh, to the post I did about this, I did, but I didn't have a hand in this. I just, um, uh, I just retweeted it. That, um, this is a lie. It's a lie. It's an outright lie that the EU discriminates that puts put tariffs on produce from the poorest countries in the world because there's something called well there's a combination of different uh different measures gsp gsp plus and uh with everything with arms. arms uh that means that that they that they don't do this and yet it is pervasive it was mentioned in the house of lords by uh, a government peer last week uh it's been said repeatedly by, by various uh, government, rema- uh, government levers, And now we have Priti Patel, who was for 15 months the National Development Secretary. And I'm sure would have been briefed, not only I'm sure would have been briefed on this, but I think more importantly, as Steve pears discovered, um, she also put her name to a statement by Difford <coughs> confirming this while she, was, <laughs> while she was Secretary of State. So either she lied in her statement, which she didn't, because we know she didn't, because we've got experts and we've seen the legislation and so on, um, or she's lying now. But the idea that she doesn't know it is, is, is pretty hard to believe because she, she signed off on statements from her in her name that confirmed that this wasn't true. And what was great about Twitter on this is that you had uh, the economist Jonathan Ports um, and great friend of the show, Jim Cornelius, um, and uh, the uh, EU professor of EU law, Steve Pearce, uh all coming, in, all coming in on this, and uh, and providing the evidence there for absolutely everybody to to see. And I think this is yeah, this is something I actually find really wonderful about about Twitter that within, you know, an hour or two of a lie being spoken by uh, a person in a position of authority. Yeah. It can be it can be destroyed by people with far far greater authority to speak on the subject than them. No, it so, is a
1: great added value of Twitter. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> the problem is that what, their fantastic demolition jobs tend to be completely ignored by the people who, should, who ought to be looking at them. But yeah,
0: but but I think I mean <laughs> one of the criticisms of modern journalism is that people is that journalists you know the journalists have a tendency to look at look at social media rather than going out and doing journalism. Well, as heavy users of social media and. You know, we should be grateful about that. We should be yeah. pleased about that. And I think, you know, I think when people like Steve Pears post these things, they are seen, they are seen by, by, uh, by journalists and by other policymakers, actually. So, yeah, um, I think it can be valuable. That's true. Oh, well, this actually covers the last one, which is the whole lot of them still banging on about the EU protection. <laughs> yeah, that was my <laughs> <pithy> <laughs> summary. We could just have that. If, if listeners could just take that one to be every week, we'd probably yeah. be on the money. In fact, we'll, we'll tell you when that one doesn't apply.
1: It'll I'll put that easier. in my template for the uh, episode notes.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty perennial one, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely perennial. So I think that's probably it for this week. So uh, have we been more optimistic, less optimistic than usual? I feel a little, uh, yeah.
1: I think we're both feeling a bit, a bit today, aren't we?
0: we are, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit because... It all because it all hinges on this. I think it all hinges on this question of whether the Labour leadership is going to move on this. Yeah, I think that's right. actually the, ultimately what it
1: all hinges on. I think. So I think they held the key. I think that's why everybody's so angry with them and upset and worried because I think really you know we've, we've given up on, on on Theresa May and her government. We've given up on them. But and we know, know
0: there are, and there know that there's some rebels and we know mm. there are probably enough rebels to come out
1: if Labour opposes. Yeah, it really so, does entirely depend on whether or not the Labour leadership shifts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you
0: have any influence on that anybody listening uh, you know please do try and influence it yeah and on that bombshell on that going bombshell up, so, uh, well thank you very much for listening up, and uh, that's all for this week the and, uh, see, see you, you next week up, next week absolutely Thanks going very much. the wrong way we're going up we're going up we're going up the wrong way